knives, machetes, saws, and shears, multi-tools, shovels, swords, axes, spears, hatchets, and tomahawks. If it cuts, snips, slices, or chops, Midway USA has it. Find great gift ideas in our huge selection of pocket knives and other everyday carry folding knives. Make a statement or create a family legacy with one of our top-of-the-line hunting knives. We've got a great selection of manual and electric sharpeners, too. For just about everything for the outdoors, check out MidwayUSA.com. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Hey all, it's your host, Will, coming back for another episode of the Hot Stand Podcast. On today's episode, we're going to be bringing on a good friend of mine, Mr. Jeff Bynum. And on today's episode, we're going to be diving into, I think, some uncomfortable topics for some of y'all out there. And when I say uncomfortable, I don't mean like it in a bad way, but I think when hunting season gets around, we tend to leave home and we forget a few things and forget to take care of a few things. And so... We're going to get Jeff on here to go down a couple of rabbit holes with that. Now, Jeff is actually a financial advisor, and specifically for a lot of people that are in the the hunting industry or just enjoy the outdoors. And so we get Jeff on here to talk a couple things about leaving home in a better place whenever it comes time for deer season, elk season, and you're going to be gone for a prolonged period of time, whether that's six, eight, ten days, two weeks, whatever it is, but we're going to get Jeff on here to talk about that, go down a couple holds about some other things, but nonetheless, just want to thank all y'all for tuning into the Hunt Stand podcast. We really appreciate y'all's support, and if you can, make sure if you haven't yet, you rate and review our podcast for us. And if you got any questions, send us an email to podcast at huntstand.com. I'm going to quit rambling. We're going to get to Jeff Bynum, and we hope you enjoy this episode. Well, brother, you ready to get this thing rolling? Let's do it. All right, man. Well, Jeff, first and foremost, thanks for hopping on the Hunt Stand podcast. Really appreciate you taking the time out of your day on this Friday to just BS and talk with us, man. Yeah, dude. I'm, I'm stoked to, to be involved here. Love it, man. Well, one of the things I like to do to start out each podcast is I like for the guests to give the listeners a 30-foot tree stand view of who you are, you know, where you're from, <laughs> what you've done in life, and kind of... Tell us how you've gotten to where you are now. Yeah. Uh, so you want to hear how big of a nobody I am? I uh, got it. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. So I'm, uh, I'm just a country boy. Uh, you know, I grew up in Eastern Washington state, uh, probably spent more time in the woods than under a roof and, uh, you know, stumbled my way into creating a business in the outdoor industry. Um, you know, 15 years ago in 2008, I lost everything I owned and figured I should probably figure out how not to, to go through that process again and got into financial planning. And then about eight years ago, I realized that I wanted to work in the outdoor industry, but, uh, in a unique way. And so I created a financial planning practice, uh, specialized for working with people in the outdoor industry or people that are passionate about hunting and fishing. And, 
Um, you know, fast forward to today, uh, you know, my wife and kids and myself, we live in North Idaho. Um, I get to, I get to hunt because I'm out my own boss. So I get to hunt you know, 60, 80 days a year. Um, most of that I figured out how to get a tax write off for. And, uh, I get to, uh, I, I've connected with Dan Staten, uh, you know, the elk shape crew. And so I've been, working with Dan, helping uh, produce and put on the elk shape camps for the last five years. And I come in uh, and uh, teach a, a fair amount about physical fitness and how to be financially smart so that you can uh, turn the passion for your outdoors into a positive influence in your life on the financial side of things. So um, do a lot of web meetings, sit here in my office, uh, work, you know, too much right now, but uh, come September, uh, I'll be a little bit difficult to get a hold of. So. Yeah. Yeah. Same here. We'll all be logged off a little bit, hopefully. Uh, I I sure hope so. I've got you know Idaho tags and uh, Montana tags this year. So um, my wife was asking me the other day, like, "What are your hunting plans?" I was like, "Well, August thirtieth," and she's like, "Okay." And like through November, <laughs> she's like, <laughs> "You won't <"What's> see me." <laughs> August thirtieth through November. <laughs> so. So, uh, thankfully I, I live in some good country. So, you know, a lot of that is in and out and stuff. And, uh, I, you know, I've built my practice to handle that. I've got a good team to support that and stuff. And so, Sweet. you know, every, me, I told them the highest priority is during that time is that you're out there hunting too. So, uh, we're, we're in the middle of like the rush time period in the year where we try to get everything done so that we can, uh, we can responsibly step away and go have a blast this fall. I like it, man. I like it. And you drew a Montana tag? Yeah, just a general combo. Um, you dog. Yeah, I've got that deer elk combo. I mean, it's it, it's still kind of an over-the-counter tag-ish. You know, we're, we're still general season hunting, but um, I've got long and, and fairly liberal seasons there, so... Um, I am not the best bow hunter out there, so I'm, uh, you know, it's, it's nice to have a good rifle season as a backup <laughs> to, yeah, to fill. Yeah, but, yeah. uh, it'd be a good hunt. Um, my first time hunting Montana this year, you know, I've done a lot of hunting in Wyoming and Colorado and Idaho, mm-hmm. Washington, Texas, and a few other states, Oklahoma, but, uh, Montana, this will be a first for me. Sweet, man. Well, cool. Yeah. Well, man, so, for, th- for the sake of this episode... I'm really kind of wanting to focus on it's. It's not going to be focused on elk hunting. It's not going to be focused on mule deer. It's just going to be hunting in general. And yep. I think a lot what I've what I've seen, and I haven't experienced myself, but I've seen buddies and people that um, they leave home and to go on these hunts, whether it's whitetail hunting, elk hunting, whatever, and they leave and they got lots of problems at home that they didn't take care of that they should have taken care of before they left and when i I say problems you know i'm talking you know potentially budget issues potentially you know mama ain't too happy because he forgot to do something and so i wanted to talk to you because you have experience you've been doing this a long time about how to leave home whenever you go on these prolonged hunting trips and leave it in a good shape so that you can be fully invested in what you're doing at that moment, chasing after game and not have to worry about stuff back home. Man, that's a, that's a great question. Um, and I don't know if there is a perfect answer for it. I think it has to be 
something that each person kind of figures out. But, um, you know, I, I've definitely figured out part of that answer. And I think every season, every year, yeah. uh, I go season, I figure out a little bit more. Um, and it, and it helps to be in a community. Uh, this is part of what really drew me to the elk shape community was, um, how intentional those guys were on making sure that their home life was dialed. So, right. uh, I love this subject It's close to my heart both just on the, the relational side with your, your wife and children, as well as the financial side. So, and I, I can't get too deep into, you know, financial planning or anything like that. Cause we don't want to submit this podcast to compliance. Right. Um, they love, they love to have a heyday with that, but I'll touch, I'll, I'll touch on my experience. Um, and you know, I honestly, I think it was, I think it was 2016 and I was sitting on a ridgetop about 11,000 feet in Colorado. And like you, I'm sure, you know, a lot of times when you get out in the woods, the stress of daily life falls away and you really start to think about what matters the most. And for me, I realized like one, my fitness level wasn't where I wanted it to be. My, my personal finances were perfect. You know, I was, I was a little bit stressed. It was a little bit of a stretch for me. That was my second trip back to, to Colorado elk hunting for that year. Uh, it was a little bit of stress on my wife. And, you know, I realized right then and there that hunting is just like any other drug that's out there. It's addictive. It, it, it draws us in. You, you know, it's, it's something that can be a very positive influence in our life mm-hmm. or it could be negative. And I started to realize that, you know, if I wanted to spend the amount of time in the woods that I desired, um, I needed to make sure and harness the positive impacts of hunting and have it, have it be something that's a motivating factor in my life, be the husband, the father that I was called to be. And, you know, it, it's taken a long time. And I'm, again, I don't have this completely figured out by any means. Um, but you know, it, it starts. And and I think a lot of this started with my kids. Um, you know, when I had kids, I realized that I had too many hobbies (laughs) as I'm sure you're realizing, well, you guys are having kids and you're like, Oh wow. I, you know, I can't be a dedicated snowboarder. I can't be a dedicated hunter and dirt (laughs) and and then, you know, camping. And now I, like, I just don't have time for that. And so, that was kind of the beginning. When I had kids, I realized that I'm not going to be able to, to be, you know, in my hobby the way that I was, uh, what my wife and I refer to as our single life, yeah. uh, school incomes, no kids. <laughs> and so, um, I looked at it and I said, you know, what was the most impactful in my childhood and growing up my favorite memories. And one of the things that shaped me the most was hunting. And so I kind of pushed everything aside and said, that's what I want to focus on. And, and so with my kids, I thought about what was the positive and negative experience with kids. And for me, when, when I grew up hunting, you know, especially as a child, I was along for the ride on you know, whoever I was hunting with, my uncles or my dad or my buddy's dad. And a lot of that was focused on them getting their animal. The same way as if you and I went hunting and we're out there like, you know, okay, we got 3,000 foot to climb and let's go, (laughs) you know, or we're sitting in the stand for, uh, this is an all day sit. And for kids, that sucks. (laughs) Like, there was a lot of it that easily could have ruined me. (laughs) And so, um, 
I, I, I made a decision that I was going to focus on hunting with the kids, but I was going to do it different. I'm going to take every opportunity I can just to have the kids fall in love with the process. Yeah. And every time I'm out hunting with the kids, getting an animal, harvesting some, killing some, whatever, that was like, uh, the, you know, the icing on the cake. Um, I was more there to just share the experience of being in the woods and watching the sun, sun come up with my kids and teaching them how to just like sit and be still and listen to the birds and like just the wonder that we get to experience when we're out in the woods hunting by ourselves. And, you know, it's full of books, games, and hot chocolate and candy and all that stuff. But it started really slow for me. And I think inside of my household, rather than it was like, you know, dragging the kids hunting or anything like that, it created something where it's where me and my kids go to have our time and my kids look forward to it. They're passionate about it. You know, my daughter is 12 and that little girl's a killer and she's a cold blooded killer at this point. Um, and I, she has that ginger luck. Uh, uh, she, I haven't gone hunting with her yet and not got an animal, which is just freakish because we've been out a lot. Um, but you know, we're, we're driving across, you know, the country or whatever. And she's staring out the window, counting deer and looking for bucks and, you know, Oh, there's a Turkey, you know, or, you know, she comes home and gives me the course. Dad, I saw elk in the field today. And it's, you can just tell it's in her. Um, and that all began with just the way that I introduced them to this slowly over time, I would increase the difficulty. I would push them very, very gently, but always giving them the permission to like, Hey, when you're done, it's okay. Like you can, you have full permission to end the hunt. And, uh, and it's, it's turned into something where uh, my daughter more than my son, at this, uh, but my daughter is like gung ho and she, she sits it out. She's harvested some great animals and, uh, and, and she's starting to get to that place of pushing herself and, and building mental discipline and toughness in the woods. And that's, that's really fun. So, um, for me, what that's done is that rather than it being a liability to my wife when I go hunting and, and incorporate the kids and like uh, it's it's now something that she recognizes as a very positive impact in my life um, and and in their lives as well. So um, yeah, before I could take kids on those types of hunts though, and I started you know being way out west and all of that, it, there's a lot of cost that's involved in your household. Um, and Will, I know you've seen this. I mean, you, you're, you're trying to get out West and go on these big hunts all the time. And, mm-hmm. you know, you've got, and, you know, your wife works and it's like, okay, how do we deal with all this stuff? And um, how do we deal with your partner being <clears throat> away from home for a week or two weeks or three weeks at a time? And so for me, I got lucky and I, I I married into having a secret weapon, which is my mother-in-law. <laughs> <laughs> Where do I get one of those? <laughs> yeah. So, uh, regardless, I mean, there was a time period where we were down in Texas and lived down there. My, my mother-in-law was in Washington and I would always propose that she finally caught on to what I was doing, but like, Hey, how would you like, how about I fly you up, you know, about August 30th. And do you want to spend a couple of weeks with the, with your daughter and grandkids? And she's, oh, that'd be great. And, and so and not only did I condition my wife to myself being gone, I conditioned my mother-in-law. <laughs> <And> so now, <laughs> now 
she knows that when September comes around, that she's on duty. Um, so, Take notes, everybody. <laughs> Take notes on that one. Yes. Yeah. You got to marry well for this to work out. Um, yes. So, uh, but, you know, that that moment in 2016 on the ridge in Colorado, you know, I, I, I have a picture of that and I always look at that moment and it was a transformational moment for me because I realized at that point I had already identified, you know, how I want to introduce my kids to hunting. And we were already doing some of that. I had already kind of figured out like how to deal with the time being away from, uh, being away from my wife. Yeah. But I didn't really, I really didn't have a deal, like figured out how to deal with myself. And, um, what I mean by that is, you know, up until that point, I never really paid attention to my fitness and I just climbed a thousand foot. I was sitting on that ridge because I was absolutely smoked. (laughs) And, and I had that realization, like, it's more than just, it's more than just, you know, the, the, the cost to my wife and, you know, introducing kids to hunting. It's me. Like, who am I as a man? And, um, I, I knew right then and there that if I didn't start to make consistent changes in my life, uh, that I wouldn't be able to do this with my kids. I wouldn't be in the physical shape. Um, I, I, you know, there, there are only so many elk hunts that you have in you, even if you are in the best shape. And my, my intention is to be elk hunting well into my retirement years with my kids and grandkids. Um, but that doesn't happen accidentally. Uh, and so, um, for me, it, it, it was just a, a look in the mirror and I had to, I had to, you know, had a little come to Jesus moment, which tends to happen when I'm in the woods, yep. kind of where I speak the most <laughs> yep. and had to, uh, had to, had to focus on my fitness quite a bit and really start to dial that in. And it's been a journey, obviously I'm not, uh, you know, I'm not Dan Staten by any means, but I'm definitely definitely not where I was at in 2015 and 2016. Well, so. we, all, we all can't be mini Hercules. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. So one of the, one of the things that, you know, talking about leaving home good, you know, I, I bring this up because I've got a friend that he is going to go elk hunting with us this year for the first time. He's never yeah. done it before. He went uh, mule deer hunting with me in Arizona. That was kind of, we popped his cherry with public land doing that. But yep. I, I kind of had the talk with him. I said, look, man, I was like, I would love to introduce you to elk hunting. It's fun. Mm. It's tough. The barrier to entry, I said, the cost to getting into it, I said, can be, I said, it's, it's there, you know, because you got to get all the right gear. You know, you want to do it right, because if not, then sometimes if you don't have the right boots, right back pack, you know, like it's just not an enjoyable trip because you might be in pain. But nonetheless, aside from that, you know, I told him you need to have a conversation with your wife. You need to have a conversation that you want to do this. It's an investment. It, you know, if you're in a financial position to go every year, awesome. If not, it might be an every other year kind of deal. And so he had to have that conversation with her. And, um, I think that's something that if, and I think you would agree that I think everybody, every guy, girl needs to do that with their significant other. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, and so for me in my house, because I travel to elk sheep camps 
and we we end up doing a bit of hunting as we're traveling you know we're, we're smart like that <laughs> um you know I, I begin every year uh yeah, I, I give it some time because i'm hunting a lot in the fall and i give it i get home from hunting and usually like my wife is ready to not hear anything about hunting for a while. So I give it, you know, a good 30, 60 days, get through Christmas, <laughs> the holidays, be the best husband I can possibly be, yep. you know, catch all the honeydews. But when it comes time to start looking at the year, uh, we always have a business meeting where I sit down and on the calendar, I block out. I say, okay, here's what my intention is. And, uh, it's not a given that I get to go hunt this much. I have to sell it. (laughs) And so I say, here's what I would like to do. I'd like to hunt September through November. And she's like, well, you're already going to elk shape camps. And I kind of hide that under like, well, those are work. (laughs) Um, and, and, uh, and, but we, we lay out the calendar year in advance. And it's, it is something that at the end of the day, it hunting can be a liability in your household. If, if your house is not in order, both with like from a relational standpoint with your wife, um, you know, if, if you're, <laughs> excuse my friends, but if you're just a selfish asshole in your household, <laughs> yeah. like this, your wife is going to grow resentful for these things. Yes. And so I, I lay this out and say, here's what I would like to do. Here are the states that I'm trying to hunt. Here's the tags that I'm trying to, trying to draw, you know, oh, I'm going to go to Wyoming this year. I've got enough points. I put it for New Mexico and see if the gods bless me there. They didn't, uh, <laughs> this year, but, uh, but you know, I, I lay it all out and I can tell my wife while she's good, I can still tell that there's a level of stress. And so the flip side of that priority of laying out what I want to do is also laying out what we, what we're going to do as a family. Yeah. And I have to prioritize our family, our time together, my relationship with my wife as much as I do hunting. And if all I do is say, Hey, here's, here's where I'm going to be gone. And I do it like, you know, I tell her this is when I'm gone and good luck. That's not going to go well. So, uh, you know, last year, uh, during that like 30 to 60 days where we were not talking about hunting because she was just recovering from me being gone that much, Mm -hmm. you know, I, uh, there's there's a there's a spot that we go camping here in Idaho that is just the most beautiful pristine spot. I says, what if what if this year we take we block out two weeks and we just go and spend two weeks as a family on the this remote lake on beautiful beach camping? And she's like, oh, I have no idea. And we ended up booking it. We leave and we leave in a week and a half for that trip as a family. We've got mo- her best friend uh, and her fa- and their family are coming, and it's just going to be two weeks where. I'm stepping away from business. I'm stepping away from all things in life. And I'm just there to be a husband and a father. And if you're not doing stuff like that and you expect to be consistently in the elk woods for, you know, every September, especially if you're trying to you know hunt multiple States and stuff like that, it's, it's a recipe for disaster. Mm-hmm. Your family has to be as much, if not more of a priority to your planning out your year as your elk hunting season. All right, y'all, we're going to take a quick break to hear a word from our sponsors. The Hunt Stand Podcast is brought to you by Yamaha and its full line of class-defining, adventure-seeking motorcycles, ATVs, and side-by-side vehicles. Up next, Federal Premium. Go beyond what you ever thought possible with Federal Premium Terminal Ascent. 
bonded construction penetrates deep on close targets while the patented slipstream polymer tip initiates expansion at velocities 200 feet per second lower than comparable designs. The bullet's long, sleek profile offers an extremely high ballistic coefficient and its AccuChannel Groove technology improves accuracy and minimizes drag. And finally, we've got WorkSharp Tools, the knife sharpening company. We just wanted to thank all of our partners of the Hunt Stand Podcast, and we're going to get right back to this episode of the Hunt Stand Podcast. Absolutely. That, that's that's super key. You know, like we just got back from the beach. We spent a Wednesday through Sunday out at the beach just enjoying it, and it was, it was a yeah. good opportunity for me to unplug and just focus on my wife and my daughter, you know, not having to worry about work or anything. And, I mean, fortunately, I work in the hunting industry, and so – unfortunately for my wife i talk about hunting year round but it, it just gave me a chance to just unplug enjoy the time catch some sun rays drink a couple cold drinks in the sand and the water and just unwind man and, and you have to do that with your family you have to yep yep absolutely on the financial side of things you know i i've gone on many hunts and not really been able to afford it and um, that's just, I mean, there was a lot of, we've, we've gone through a lot of life and stuff like that and, yeah. you know, it's in our household and stuff. And, but I, I'll tell you, there's nothing, nothing worse than sitting on that ridge top in Colorado, thinking about how you're going to pay off the credit card gas bill for getting there. <sighs> and, uh, I've probably been on more hunts where that has been in my head rather than sitting there and like enjoying God's beauty in the moment. Yes. And then about my wife and children. And so, um, you know, something that we teach at our elk shape camps is that you've got to have a hunt budget. And what I mean by that, like, and I'm, I'm not going to get into financial planning again here or anything like that, but when I look at people's spending, their cash flow in their life, most people, their day-to-day stuff, their mortgage, rent, their bills, they don't fluctuate a whole lot. Most yeah. people do not follow their budget in just everyday life. Now, granted, we've got some Biden inflation right now. Uh, that's increasing cost. But um, overall, when I look at people's cash flow, what I see is that there's usually a few areas in life where people tend to spend money in an uncontrolled environment. Uh, same as if uh, you were looking at a nutritional plan and you know, you're tracking your macros and realize 9.30 at night, you have a bowl of cinnamon toast crunch five days a week. You're like, oh, hey, there's there's my problem. Are you, <laughs> so, are you telling us what you used to do? <laughs> you know, it may happen still every now and then. Like I said, I'm not Dan. <laughs> so, I, like, I like my pancakes. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, but uh, when it comes to your money, because of the majority of people I work with are passionate outdoorsmen and women, um, that is one of the main areas where they tend to spend some uncontrolled dollars. Yeah. Um, and it just happens. And this stuff isn't cheap. I mean, it, it, you know, we always say, oh, look, we're getting meat and all that type of stuff. Man, that is the most expensive meat that you will ever pay for per pound. <laughs> it's, I don't even want to do the math on it anymore. I go elk hunting and, you know, between my binos and my bow and my gear and my pack and everything, like it's easy to walk around with ten to $15,000 worth of crap um, elk hunting. Yes. And that, that cannot, for the majority of us, that can't just happen like without some thought and preparation. So what we teach people 
it, it, from a hunt budget standpoint, it same as like having an emergency fund at your bank, but is to create a bank account that when you log in, you and your wife log in, it says hunt budget. Like there's no question what those dollars are intended for. They're earmarked specific for that space. And when you create, when you create certainty around that, it gives you that permission slip to responsibly spend the money um, and, and not make bad decisions and not build resentment in your relationship. And along with having the financial structure in place, have, creating that hunt budget, you have to fund it. And yes. the funding of it is where like the rubber meets the road. That also needs to be part of that initial conversation between you and your wife at the beginning of the year. You should be you know, like, Hey, I'm putting in for these three states. Like I'm going to have three grand in, you know, tag costs or hopeful tag costs sitting out there. Some of that may come back, some of it may not. And then if I draw, like, here's what I expect it to cost this year for hunting. Here's, I need to buy this gear. Um, I'm going to get these tags, fuel, food, you know, pretty basic coming up with a budget of what it's going to cost. But then you also need to have a funding strategy how are you going to create these dollars in your life? Mm -hmm. And if the money that you're going to use for hunting that year takes away from your family budget, takes away from your two week camping trip with your kids, you're in trouble. Uh, you may get away with that for a few years, but there's going to be a growing like level of resentment in your relationship. And I will tell you, you want to, you want to <laughs> not hunt much, um, get divorced. <laughs> so that's one of the worst financial strategies out there. And so you have to recognize like not only is this a potential threat to your household, but you can take it from a threat and turn it into an asset because when your wife sees you have that level of care for her and when your wife sees you like pour into that and figure out a way to come up with that money you know, Will, you and I were talking right before this and you're, you, you know, you're working on a little side hustle and, you know, in some of your spare time. And it's like, it's, it's awesome. You're going to make a few thousand bucks and stuff like that, you know, and say, Hey, I'm going to work three weekends and get overtime for that. That's going to be my $3,000 hunt budget for the year. Yep. And when your wife, when you've prioritized her and the children and in, you know, set time aside for them. And then you've created time or a strategy to come up with the dollars that you're going to use to, to fund your hunting. Like that speaks love into her life, yes. which is how you. Big time, big time, man. And, you know, I think the other way to kind of transition this too is, um, finding that significant other isn't always easy. Like <laughs> I, I remember something very specific that I heard, Dan say at one of the elk shaped camps before was um, when you start dating somebody, you need to date them for two hunting seasons before you put a ring on their finger. Right. Because yeah, they got to September. <laughs> yeah. They, they got to make it through two September's. And the reason I'm saying this is because I've been hunting before with people that when you're on a hunting trip and, the, and I think this will kind of bleed into being a good hunting buddy, a good hunting partner is you have to leave home with everything solid because if not, you're doing your hunting buddy and partner a disservice. And 
What I mean by that is if you're constantly having to answer phone calls from a significant other, you're taking text messages like every 10 minutes, or you're constantly on your phone and you're not focused on the hunt and the task at hand, especially when you're spending all that money to go out west to chase after elk, mule deer, whatever it might be, and even deer in that for that matter, um, you're doing your hunting buddy a disservice because you're sitting there trying to mend things at home because your significant other is pissed because you haven't texted them back in 20 minutes and you have to find out <laughs> and make sure that those things are good before, yeah. before you go and do it, man. Yep. Man, you can't be, you can't be any more correct on that. Um, you know, especially, you know, big Western hunts yeah, are, they're physically tough. They're expensive and all of that. But when you get out in the woods, what you're going to experience is a mental ass whooping. Yes. Like it is, it is mentally one of the most difficult things to do. And because you are, you're up there just beating yourself uh, to death in these mountains, you're, you're getting close and you're failing. It's, it's constant failure. And when your hunting buddies do not have the same level of mental discipline as what you have or mental toughness when they haven't taken care of their home and they're bringing all of that with you, with them on the hunt, that's going to show up and it's going to suck. I've been on hunts. I took, I took, uh, three guys to Colorado on an elk hunt and physically they were great. They did, they did fantastic mentally they fell apart and they were in like, this was my, like, I learned a good lesson here. Okay. I'm not going to take three noobs out on a backpack elk hunt, a high elevation in Colorado again, no. <laughs> like, maybe, <laughs> but it, you know, it, we ended up ending that trip early because they just couldn't mentally wrap their head around all of the failure, you know, not making it to our campsite. The weather was bad. All their hunting pressure uh, you know, hunting scenarios that blew up in our face. They think we should have taken a left and we took a right, like all of that stuff and not having their home front dialed, having the stress of being away from their family, um, yeah. show up. Uh, it was the worst hunt I've ever been on and yeah. it can, end. and so, yeah, you're, you're spot on, man. You have to, you have to build community, which, you know, applies to everything in life outside of hunting. I, you know, I wouldn't be who I am today without intentionally surrounding myself with people that I look up to. Um, and that's both, you know, in church and family and life, as well as, as hunting. Uh, it's part of the reason I ride Dan's coattails, as he says. You <laughs> 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 just saw like, I, I don't want to sound like a fanboy, but you know, I get to see behind the scenes in his life and, um, He's a good man. He's a badass killer, but he's an even better man. Yeah. And for me, I aspire to that. I look to that and I say, okay, um, I'm going to do anything I can to create value for him and his world and his community and do my part uh, because I aspire to, to be at that level. So, um, yeah, surround yourself with good people. Yeah, it's super key because, man, like, like you said, like your trip in Colorado – I, I went through something similar where guy I was with his home life wasn't set. Things were kind of weird, wacky, wonky. And, you know, we, we were in some good elk, you know, the first two, two and a half days. And then, you know, as well as I do, weather switches, things change. If you're close to private land, 
pressure pushes them on there. And, you know, the elk just kind of disappeared for about two days. And then after that, they were done. Checked out. Hunt was, yep. done. Hunt was done a day and a half early. And, um, yeah, you, you, you don't you don't want to find yourself in a situation like that. You don't want to be that person for your hunting buddy either. So definitely make sure you yeah. got, got things in check at home. And so, yep. but no, it's all good stuff. It's, it's all good. Um, man, talking on the budgeting side, looking at the, the year ahead, um, what are, what are some tips or anything you can share outside of looking at the year ahead with your significant other setting up that budget and, you know, trying to do things outside of your ordinary day job. Do you have any other kind of advice to share with people to try and find that money elsewhere that, so that they can go on these trips every year? Well, um, as you've seen, cause I mean, you and I have talked about this, being able to do these types of trips and spend this type of money, um, on hunting, is not something that's going to happen overnight. Right. And you gotta, you gotta have your shit dialed. And when we work with clients, a lot of times that when we look at their financial world, we can see how life past financial decisions, we have to go through and clean that stuff up. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, as you work towards that goal, if you can take your passion for elk hunting or deer hunting or whatever, whatever it is, fishing, you can take that passion and recognize the need to be fiscally fit to have your financial life in order and, and make the hard decisions to, you know, pay off short-term debt and don't buy too much house and like, you know, build the right kind of assets on your balance sheet that there really is no, there really is no like silver bullet. It's yeah. just the same level of hard work, delayed gratification and discipline that you've got to have in your fitness. And over time, the capacity shows up. You know, I, I do like encouraging people to figure out a way to, you know, side hustle a couple thousand bucks for their hunt budget and stuff like that. But that's just not the case for everybody. Yeah. And so sometimes, sometimes you just got to be realistic and say, you know what? Yeah, I'd love to go, you know, hunt Wyoming and New Mexico every single year and buy landowner tags, but that's not in the cards. But if I take the next five years, and I hunt my home state and I, you know, maybe I plan a trip every other year, but I get all of this other stuff in my life financially situated. I'm going to, I'm taking steps to being in that place where I'm not going to have to miss in September. And, um, so I wish there was like a silver bullet answer for that. But there really isn't. It's just overall financial health leads to better opportunities in the woods. Yeah. I could I couldn't agree more, man. I couldn't. I mean, yeah, it's it, it can be hard, but man, if you just do it the right way, you'll thank yourself down the road. You will. Yep. So. Yep. Well, man, I know we're running out of time here, but what are some? Do you have any kind of parting advice, Mister Jeff Bynum? Wisdom, ginger wisdom, on. <laughs> On any of this that we've talked about, anything that we may have talked about, what kind of parting wisdom might you have for the listeners? I would say you need to find yourself a ridge top and have that moment that I had in 2016 where it's just you and God and you take a hard look at your life. You look at where you are at in your relationship with your wife, 
your children, your finances, and recognize that you can take this passion for hunting, fishing, and really it applies to anything. You could be, you could be a snowboard. You could be, you know, you could maybe horses, like whatever, but you take that passion and you recognize how you can leverage that passion to increase who you are, who you've been called to be in your life. And, um, you know, for a lot of us, it's easy. We could, we could look in the mirror and be like, Oh, I need to lose five pounds or I should save more money and all that type of stuff. But every day, like motivation and self-discipline, like, eh, whatever. But when you connect it to something that you care about as deeply as most of us care about hunting and fishing, all of a sudden that is the wind in your sail to get your life together and hold your, hold yourself together, be dialed across the board so that you don't end up missing a September. Um, and you know, that's, that's, that's the epiphany I had. I'm, I've been super, super blessed uh, to surround myself with like-minded people. Um, and, uh, you know, if I was out there by myself, as with anything, you know, when you're, when you're fighting a battle, climbing a mountain, you lock arms with brothers or, or sisters in arms, like it's, it, you have a lot more strength that way. So find the correct community to be involved in, recognize how to leverage your passion for the outdoors to, to get your shit dialed. I love it, man. And, you know, this, gosh, that, that's so spot on. I mean, I just shared something the, the other day on Instagram that, you know, basically talked about being honest with yourself as one of the hardest things that you can do and then facing mm-hmm. that. And that's basically what you're talking about. Getting up on that ridgetop, being honest with your, being honest with yourself. And then when you come off that ridge, you're ready to tackle it. Yep. That's it, it, man. Awesome. Well, man, where can we find you on social media? Oh, I, uh, yeah, I got it. I'm on Instagram. Um, I'm kind of, kind of burned out on social media, but you can find me at Bynum Life. Uh, and then, you know, I, I can't advertise business or anything like that. I, you know, I snuck my web link in there on my Instagram profile. So yeah. you can check out my webpage, but yeah, I, I post a little bit on Bynum Life and, uh, you know, I float around the, the outskirts of a lot of the, the big names in the industry. I got, you know, I'm, I'm always in the background, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, check me out on check me out on Instagram. Um, you know, and I'll I'll say you know if, if you guys if this resonates with you, if this is something that you're like okay, I need to get this dialed, and you want to talk, hit me up, man. I, I love this stuff. I love helping people. You know, get life figured out. It's a big part of, of who I am professionally. It's just helping people navigate life choices. Um, so yeah, anything I can do to support anybody out there, man, please let me know. Love it. Love it, man. Well, Jeff, man, I appreciate you hopping on the podcast, talking, hunting, you know, just going down some rabbit holes, man. Appreciate the time. Absolutely. Dude. Pleasure. Anytime. Thanks, Will. All right, y'all. There you go. Another end to another Hunt Stand podcast. Just want to thank Jeff for hopping on here and talking about how to leave home in a good spot whenever it comes time for you to take off for a week or two to chase after elk, mule deer, whitetail, whatever it is. But glad that we are able to get Jeff on here. Just want to thank him for his time. And again, y'all, just want to thank you for your support on the Hunt Stand Podcast. And remember, up until July 1st, so June 30th, midnight, we are going to stop an IG giveaway. All you have to do is follow us for your chance to enter to win five years of HuntStand Pro for free. So if you haven't yet, make sure you're following us on Instagram. We appreciate y'all's support, and we'll see you on the next one.
pursuing wild game in wild places. Tune in to Hunt Stand Presents Saturdays at 8.30 p.m. Eastern. Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment. Through the Blackwater bayous and in the dark Louisiana night, floats a duck camp, alive with the sounds of swamp pop and the smells of Cajun cooking. Mississippi Delta in Venice to the Cajun prairies of the Southwest. Me and the Duck Camp Dinners crew will be hunting and eating it all. This is Duck Camp Dinner. Join me, Chef Jean-Paul Bourgeois, and the whole crew every Monday at 8 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV. 